0: and welcome to Breaking Out of Breaking In, a practical filmmaking podcast about taking your creative career into your own hands and making great work get seen without playing the Hollywood game
1: or at least while changing the rules. Hi, I'm Brie Castellini, your other co-host, and today we're doing a mid-year check-in on what's going on in our careers, our creative processes, and our lives. Before we dive in, remember that we release bonus content for each and every episode we post here on the feed over on patreon.com slash breakingoutpod if you want to support us and get yourself even more info and resources. Since today's episode is obviously a little bit less instructional than normal, uh, what we're going to be doing it for the bonus content for this episode is I'm going to reorganize and update some of our old infographics and templates and make them a little bit more available in a more like easily consumable fashion. So if you have been like, holding your breath and waiting to subscribe at the right moment. This will probably be a good moment because it'll make it easier for you to go through our entire archive in a more effective way. Also, if you sign up for our Patreon at the $3 a month level or beyond, which is when you get our bonus content, I will send you two un- out of context sentences from the romance novel I wrote in the past six months. Tell me if you want them to be dirty sentences or not. I got you either way, but Hey, Hey, yet another incentive to join our Patreon, patreon patreon.com slash (laughs) Pod. Get yourself some dirty stuff or not.
0: (laughs) Dirty stuff.
1: Yeah. So this episode, I feel like we've done this before. We definitely did like an end of year one, but we're going to try to check in more often, be transparent as co-hosts. A lot of stuff goes on in our lives in between episodes. And so we wanted to keep you apprised of all of that. So we're going to do a little like career and life update up top for you nosy Nellies out there we're Mm -hmm. going to talk about some potential changes to the podcast coming up Um, might be exciting for you especially if you have something to promote in the upcoming months Uh, and then we will tell you what the rest of the year is going to look like we will share the episodes and mini series coming up for the rest of 2022 so that you can get in your questions if you have any and, and want us to include them in upcoming episodes or so you can just be hyped yeah. <laughs> so, uh Christina, let's start with you. What's going on? It is we are recording this on July 2nd, 2022. I think the episode comes out not next week but the week after, so it's we're we're pretty this is the closest to release that we've recorded an episode in a while. So, yeah. <laughs> just to place us in time. That's where we're at.
0: Yes. Last people knew on a personal front, I was desperately trying to buy a house and I have done that. So, <laughs> As of the, like, mid to late March, I moved. And so most of my life lately has just been adjusting to being kind of like a A country dweller. Yes, (laughs) a homeowner, but also very specifically in the woods. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, it's been very stressful. I guess if people have questions about homeownership or the buying process, I am happy to answer them. We went through three houses before we got here between like losing one, getting outbid, another being moldy, like all of this stuff. We we landed in a wonderful house, but it's also been a journey. We had to replace the roof almost immediately because of leaks, which we bought in the winter. That was like a lear- I would say something I learned <laughs> was <laughs> you buy in the winter and you get a good look at like the privacy that you're not going to have possibly because the trees aren't full. And so you get a sense of the land that you're really on, but then you don't maybe see the roof cause it's covered in snow at your inspection.
1: Interesting.
0: <laughs> um, and you don't know like what's leaking until all the snow melts and comes through. But otherwise it's been, it's been really great. It's just been a lot of like growing pains and learning about how to put bear locks on your garbage. So that bears don't come and go through all your garbage, which happened to us a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've become like a very, I don't know, I kind of li- feel like I'm living a little bit like a Snow White fantasy where I just have deer friends. I have rabbit friends. I have all these friends that live on my property that come to see me every day through the windows.
1: You're learning what herbs keep certain pests away.
0: Yes, I am. Lots of uh, mint. Mint is great
1: to keep. Mm-hmm
0: pretty much everything away. No one likes the smell except humans, it seems. So I recommend mint if you're trying to keep like wasps, especially wasps mm. and hornets, which is a thing, big thing we're encountering right now. Interesting. Very interesting. I mean, I don't know if it's interesting, but that's... No, that I is why. interesting.
1: Because <laughs> like I, I love mint and it's, it's relatively easy to grow because it's basically a weed and mm-hmm. you can use it for so many things. I got an arrow garden. That's that's my herb update. (laughs) And I love it.
0: Oh, I've also become like a very extensive plant parent. I have many plants throughout my home, which is nice because in my apartment, we just couldn't have them because of the cats. Like the cats would be able to climb. Everything was too close together that we couldn't spread out things and keep Mm -hmm. things too high for them. So now we have plants at various heights that they can't get to throughout the house, which is nice. And... I did. I did a check off one of my last year. Um, at the end of last year, we had our episode where we talked about things we wanted to do this year, and one mm-hmm. of them for me was to take start pottery, like take that up. I did two classes and realized it's very much not for me. <laughs> <laughs> at least on the wheel, it, because a it hurt my back, and b it requires way too much like hand eye coordination, foot coordination, like speed. Oh, to going too fast, going too slow, while also pushing too hard, not pushing hard enough. It just was not my wheelhouse.
1: But that's fine. Sometimes hobbies are not about doing it good. It's about figuring out what you actually enjoy doing.
0: Totally. I thought it would be relaxing. It was stressful, so it wasn't accomplishing what I was trying to achieve. But I have taken up bike riding. I ride my bike every day now through the beautiful scenery that I am surrounded by. And that has become my favorite new hobby. So that's
1: something I love that. What what can you share about like, how how to design a new home from scratch? Like, because you've been doing a lot of like DIY stuff. And like, you yes. you have carte blanche for, <laughs> you know, you have a blank slate for what you want your home to look like. And I know that's been taking up a lot of your time.
0: It has. It's been fun. It's been, I mean, expensive (laughs) sure we it adds up it adds up so fast and like we went our house is twice the size of our apartment so we had a lot of space to fill but I would say for me that was kind of the thing that was keeping me sane through this whole process was like getting excited about the design of things and trying to just be like quirky and colorful and i i revolved every room around one piece of furniture or art so it was like this is the color palette for this room based on this thing and i just read a lot of blogs <laughs> like so many other people doing the work that i am not an expert at
1: and about. watching a lot of diy shows that you would then text me about
0: <laughs> yes i watch so many diy shows <laughs> and yeah and so like our kitchen is tiny and, and so we i ha- came up with a whole plan to take down these upper cabinets and open, put some like open shelves, but then also some pipes to hang pots and pans against the wall so that it felt more open. And I'm really happy with how it all came out. And I think has been good because up until fairly recently, the film stuff for me has been pretty slow. And so it gave me a place to put my creative energy that was like low stakes in a way. Like obviously it was still costing us money to, you know, invest sure. in some things like new paint, new furniture and stuff. But it was like low stakes and that really it was just going to be the two of us living in it. So, mm-hmm. you know, if we didn't love it, we could always change it after a while. But I think if you have the time to binge <laughs> all of the shows, there's so many things on Hulu, especially.
1: Mm. That you Hulu has binge. a good DIY section.
0: They Yeah, they really do.
1: Do you have a favorite?
0: Uh, okay, so I'm really into farmhouse like that vibe Mm -hmm. but like a modern farmhouse sure that kind of mix of like rustic and and also kind of like practical modernness so farmhouse facelift on hulu is a fun show it's super cheesy canadian siblings like there's no there's no like mean Americanness ness to it. I think HGTV has like a little bit more kind of like-
1: Edge. Yeah. American they're, like, edge. They,
0: they're like sarcastic with each other yeah. and, you know, but like this show is just, when they cut to commercial break, it's like, oh no, I think inside the wall might be brick instead of cement. And then like it comes back <laughs> and, it's, and then it's like, and it's like, no, it actually is cement. And like that's-, that's so the,
1: wholesome.
0: It is so wholesome. Um, And then similarly, I really like Backyard Builds, which is also a Canadian Mm. show. And as someone who has land now, I'm very into it. But that's really not something I can DIY. That's what I've learned from watching that show is that if I want to do anything in my backyard, I must hire people.
1: Mm -hmm. I will also recommend (laughs) Your Home Made Perfect, which is also (laughs) on Hulu. It's a British show, completely unhinged. I haven't finished it because after a while I got so mad like i i just like my energy was too high when i was watching that show i could not sustain it but there it's basically like they pit two designers against each other and they use vr to show potential like home redesigners. So it's not new homes, it's they want to remake their existing space, sometimes by adding an addition, sometimes by just reassembling the existing structure. And they are pitched to very different ideas through VR. And then the one that they choose, they actually build. So that's that's how I've been involved in the home buying process, which I'm never going to be able to do, as I recommend unhinged H D T V shows to Christina.
0: Yeah, well... I went from, like, never watching any of those shows to watching everything that exists on all of the platforms that I could possibly <laughs> consume over the last six months. And B, with the way that uh, the interest rate just went up, I don't think anyone could be buying a house. And if we hadn't bought, like, the exact moment that we did, we would have been priced out for sure. So, um...
1: Bleak. Bleak stuff.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's all very bleak. But yeah. Yeah, I never I never, like, imagined myself being able to own a house and... here I I am and you know I hope that others can find whatever like they're intensely longing for because like this was something I was intensely longing for for a good year uh, specifically in the area that we are and so I hope that other people can find that thing even in the midst of the world crumbling in various ways around us yeah and things being very scary
1: yeah things are definitely extremely scary speaking of scary things What else is going on in your life? Obviously, there are levels of coyness that we have to put up in some cases, but like professionally, creatively, what's going on right now? What are you working on?
0: So, well, I feel like I can share because I did share in December before when we did our end of year. It was right Mm -hmm. before I was going to have a meeting with Lily Uchowski for my script. She was going to read Silent Night and I left it there. Mm-hmm. And so since then, she has read it. And initially, it was like, it felt like it was going to be just kind of a one-time feedback sort of thing. But in the months since, it has become a little bit more of an ongoing mentorship, I would say, it feels like the right word. Sure. But I said also, maybe I can like talk about this other piece. So in December, I also had pitched as a director for another script. I think I talked about that after the fact. I think you did.
1: Yeah, I I know you talked about it after you pitched, but I don't know if you knew yet if you got it or not. You might have still been in consideration.
0: Yeah, I don't remember. It doesn't matter. matter. I'll spoil it. (laughs) Either way. Um, (laughs) Spoiler alert. So I didn't get it. I wasn't chosen for that. But they liked me. They were kind of like, you were very much up there in consideration And we loved your ideas for it. And if you have anything that you're trying to get off the ground, like let let us know if you have a script. So then I was like, I do have a script. I sent it that night. And then they took an interest in having me sign a shopping agreement Mm -hmm. for it. With me attached as director. And it would be part of a secondary slate. So the way this company is working, they're trying to do slates of three films and get them funded packaged together, each one. And so I would would have potentially been in the second slate. And the first is still in early stages of trying to get funding. And it's a new company. They haven't done this before, but they have like a great, you know, a great batch of initial scripts and a great mission and like seemingly some connections to possibly getting the funding. So I was considering that, even though it would have been an 18-month agreement and I was kind of on the fence because it was an unproven model, but it was also, I really liked the people involved and... I liked that they reached out to me initially because they liked my films, they wanted me to, you know, pitch as a director, so it was nice to be pursued. <laughs> uh but then simultaneously, I I or like immediately after the fact it started to become apparent that this mentorship with with Lily would possibly turn into something pos- like I still it's still a vague right now I'm in revision stages on it but I decided to kind of like push pause on signing anything with anyone else and pursue what could be possible after a revision of, of Silent Night um, so that's kind of where I am right now and that's that
1: <laughs> how's, how's the revising going
0: it's very early. I am, um, I think it's been a learning experience getting notes from like more executive and general side of things. I just have note cards of like all the notes that I've gotten from all the various people um, who like are potential decision makers and I've kind of like bucketed them. So it's like, these are the ones I'm definitely going to incorporate. I agree with them as an artist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then these are the ones that I feel make sense for the market and also align with what I'm going for creatively. So they feel like worth incorporating. And then these are like the few that I'm on the fence about and have to kind of like make sure that I'm keeping the per- my perspective in check as I'm making this revision of like, does this serve my story? And then also, like, am I am I doing enough, I guess, to address the, the marketability piece, right? So it's like trying to find that balance there. And I'm really just in this bucketing phase. And my July is pretty much going to be about this revision. And so we'll see. But like, it's been very slow because mm-hmm. I'm obviously, like, my film was the most important thing on my plate for me but other people that's not the case (laughs) that's understandable like they have things rude (laughs) right but like they have things that are further along they have things that are maybe like higher budgeted the stakes are higher so I've you know it's been somewhat frustrating but Mm -hmm. then it's also given me space to like settle into my home because that's really where my emotional energy has been sort of driving towards for the last few months because, I mean, for, like, we looked for a house for nine months and then it took another two months to close and move in. And so all of that energy of, like, a year, I I didn't want to just sort of, like, move into my house and then suddenly I'm being, like, torn into... Back in a different rat race. Yeah. And it's, like, deadlines and needing to, you know, hustle, hustle, hustle. And I'm not even enjoying this thing that I have been waiting so long for. So... It's been lovely, I would say, even though it has come with headaches with like leaks and whatnot, it's been lovely to get to settle in and to get to like start to feel a slower pace and I'm still adjusting to that and then and I will say it's hard because i I feel like I've just started to adjust to a slower pace of life where like I go into a coffee shop and I understand that they're gonna move at like the pace of where I'm living now you know mm-hmm. like it's not going to be in midtown like a coffee shop in midtown Manhattan like that's a very different thing so I'm sort of like adjusting to that and actually really enjoying the slower pacing but then I'm now having to like to get back in touch with my like grind it out kind of you know sure person that I am on the inside and so trying to balance those two things of like I can just like grind and grind and grind and write and get this out trying to balance that with like this slower more I guess for lack of a better word like more centered version of myself has been has been a bit of a challenge just like in the last couple of weeks but you know it's all good stuff so like who am I to complain about anything
1: no that's great we'll definitely probably check in about like revision process at the end of the year and, and hear how you kind of tackled that. Cause I know everyone has different processes for tackling revisions. I'm theoretically in a revision right now for one script and potentially also the book that I wrote, which we'll talk about in a second, I guess. Mm-hmm. And revision is such a weird process and I never know if I'm going about it the right way. Cause I'm such a linear writer Me too. and I want to approach edits linearly, but sometimes you kind of can't. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's like a major thing that you need to deal with, like later on in the story that then informs your linear rewrite later. And I have a hard time with that process. So I'm curious to hear the culmination of this process for you.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm curious <laughs> myself. What I gonna do?
1: Well, cool. Well, I we will keep you updated, everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else that you want to talk about or share from your year so far?
0: No, because really, I, I feel like two big things. There's two big things, and then a, like a lot of nothing. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like because it's just. I'm still, you know, doing some consulting work, freelance. I haven't gone back to a full-time job. I'm sort of like still in this very much. The house has taken up so much between like unpacking and decorating and then project managing various repairs of things and and whatnot and putting together a lot of furniture. So like I have nothing really to talk about other than just like a new kind of day-to-day. I think I've become very emotionally attached to the animals that live in my yard. And similarly to my cats, it's like probably not healthy how much my mental health is like tied to the, to the survival of animals that have like predators living right next to them because I've already experienced various animals disappearing. Like there's this family, this mother and three groundhog babies that live in our front yard for the last like three weeks and one of the three has been missing for four days and i'm like oh my god what what animal killed it (laughs) (laughs) and every time i see the two in the yard i'm like where's your sibling what happened to your sibling
1: (laughs) calling groundhog child's protective services (laughs) I'm concerned <laughs>
0: I mean we've seen we've seen a fox, we've seen a fisher, which is something I'd never seen or heard of before, but it's like the number one predator of smaller animals here. It looks like i mean I think it looks like a bear meets a ferret meets a cat like it's super weird looking but it's technically in the weasel family,
1: yeah, I was um, gonna say I got otter vibes from the video you sent me, totally, and so like a land otter
0: that's probably what. What kill it has like a fluffy tail, like a cat though. Mm-hmm. That's probably what got that baby groundhog. You know, like so that's the circle of life. <laughs> I'm just adjusting to that in in my yard and preparing for the emotional weight of you know losing certain animals that aren't even my pets, but I've decided they are from afar.
1: Yeah, I don't think you said this on mic, but you said that you feel like you're living a very like Snow White existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with yeah. all your animal friends, and I love that for <laughs> <Yeah>. you. Adorable. <laughs> I'm fascinated to see what kind of like horror films you come up with. Now living <laughs> this like extremely wholesome existence.
0: Well, I will say that the one horror inspiration for me has been ticks. <laughs> I was not sure. prepared. I was really not prepared. That's like you know, we're pretty cliche, I guess. Like couple that moves from the city and just like doesn't realize how bad how you're like supposed to check yourself and stuff. But it was an especially bad year, as I learned from various pest control people, that when you have a warm winter, it doesn't get cold enough for them to freeze and die. Mm. So then they're all still alive from the previous fall, summer and fall, plus all the new ones being born this spring and summer. And so it's like a really bad year for ticks. And so we had... You know, my husband had one in his leg and I found one in my hair and chopped all my hair off. And so that's been like a learning experience for like things you should prepare for and has definitely inspired me in the kind of, you know, invasion of the body snatchers sort of totally. direction.
1: <laughs> yeah. A seemingly tiny, insignificant speck can sometimes be deeply insidious.
0: Yes. <laughs> but what about you, Brie? What's been new? I just talked way too much.
1: Yeah, it's fine. I love hearing about your new backwoods life. I, <laughs> I get to vicariously also have a house in the woods, but also not need to worry about ticks. So, frankly, my version might be just as good or better. Who knows? <laughs> so, in my my life, uh, I quit three jobs since we last talked, which has oh been. Oh, such a relief. I quit both my teaching jobs and uh, and I just wrapped up my last one of those uh, because it went through May. And then I I don't know if it technically counts as quitting because I used to be a lot more involved at Starable at my old full time company where I would not only participate in their festival and that kind of stuff, but I would also like consult and be on like the jury and the like programming committee and like, you know, do a lot of back end stuff for organizing their their festival, which is now predominantly their their business model at this point, is they have two festivals a year and just do a lot of, like... Attempting to place official selections at like Roku. Like, they just premiered a bunch of Sterrible Fest official selections on Roku. And so I used to be very involved in that. And like, depending on the time of year, if it was right before an event, I would be like working 10, 15 hours a week sometimes on specifically Sterrible Fest stuff. And they tried to bring me on in a more official part time asterisk capacity and I was like no I can't I can't keep doing this you guys it's way too much work I don't like doing it I frankly don't need the money beyond you know needing the money and I was like I am happy to be involved in events and like be in the events and I will I will always you know ping me for moderating and stuff I'll always like do my best to attend I can't I can't still be your like go to girl. And that was tough because like I had been that even since I quit my full time position there. And I felt mm-hmm. a lot of like weird, like guilt and like control freak energy for me wanting to like stay attached to this festival that I co-founded. And I, I still feel very passionately about. But I was like that it's just way too much intense work that's not spread out. I just I don't want to be on call like that, especially now that they're ramping up to do more of this. I'm like I can't do it. So I don't know if I would uh, I guess officially consider that quitting that job. It was more like the next time I had the opportunity to pick up that contract, I said no. And mm-hmm. you know, that that it it is what it is, but I'm I'm happy with the decision. So I I stepped away from three positions that like previously would have taken up a lot of my time. And I'm very happy with that. Good. I did pick up one job, so <laughs> I, I now am officially the like on-staff educator for the CBS Pipeline Challenge, which is in its second cohort right now. But that's for now only once a year, and at this point I've already developed... Uh, all of the classes, because I, I teach intro to filmmaking essentially. I teach a five week class about making your first short film, and each class has a deck and a handout with a bunch of bonus resources which of course include episodes of this podcast and uh, now that all of the materials are developed outside of a couple of tweaks that I might want to make in the future like basically they'll just bring me back and I'll teach it again to the next cohort and it's yeah. uh, the first time that I taught went really well it seems like they they got what they were looking for out of me so that is hopefully a, a consistent thing that I can go back to no, no harm and I got paid better to do that five week class than i did two to three semesters worth of like higher education teaching like (laughs) cbs is where i should be teaching not grad programs (laughs) because holy god is the is the change massive in between the two also i had way less responsibility at cbs all i had to do was teach Uh i didn't even have to give them my email address i had to like keep insisting they share my email address with the cohorts i was like no if if they have questions i want to answer them and they're like are you sure they might get in touch i'm like I have gotten so many requests over the years. I have been a teacher. I have been inundated with nonsense. Like, trust me, I can handle it, and you know, I it'll be fine. And like four people emailed me. It was completely fine, but it was really <laughs> lovely. I had a really great time being a part of that. So hopefully, that will lead to more things in the future.
0: This was free too for the for the participants, right? You were yeah they
1: they applied. It was it's like not quite a fellowship or like a contest, mm-hmm. but basically the program, um and I'll I'll link to it in maybe the bonus content or something. But um it's like the you you apply as a particular teammate because like the goal of the program is for teams of first or second time amateur filmmakers to be paired up as like a production team and then they will develop a pitch for a narrative short film that is for a nonprofit and it's not a commercial. It is a narrative short film, but that like speaks to like the ethos or the mission statement of a particular nonprofit. And then the resulting film is owned by that nonprofit, which they can then use for impact campaigns and events and marketing and things like that. So it's an opportunity to like, get nonprofits some content but also Mm -hmm. get first second time filmmakers a little bit of extra resources and support in making like a a short film of their own so they get like a stipend they get like a couple weeks including mine uh of like classes and educational support and like obviously they get a community out of it but yeah it's free for them and then they get like a little stipend to actually make the project and it's kind of a professional development lab where they like learn a bunch of stuff they learn about all these different nonprofits. they learn about filmmaking they learn from like cbs executives and stuff and then they get to make their short films
0: that's really cool and yeah i mean that's kind of like the ideal scenario in that <sighs> you're getting paid way more money or at least like more money but then yeah. it's not like through the students paying for it exactly the way this university works
1: yeah i always felt weird about like especially the classes and programs that i was teaching for like i have nothing bad to say about them publicly but like (laughs) it definitely is uncomfortable especially like the program that i used to go to like i know how much money i paid for that program it wasn't worth that. You could argue that most school isn't worth the amount of money that we're paying for it. And so it was Mm -hmm. always kind of uncomfortable for me to be at like recruiting events, because sometimes I would I would have to do recruiting stuff, not in in any like major capacity. But every time I was involved at all, I felt very strange about it. I was like, I would love to just teach you this information for free or much cheaper. But the only way you can access this is if you apply for this program. And I feel weird about it. So, yeah, highly recommend the CBS Pipeline Challenge if you know uh, an up-and-coming filmmaker based in Los Angeles. um, I, I hope that they get to continue to do it. It seems like CBS enjoys the process and, like, relative to most things that they are doing, it's like... Not expensive for them at all. I imagine they probably get a lot more out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm having a great time so far. And I got to be on the, one of the CBS lots recently. And that was kind of fun to see like their built out like fake New York City and you know, that see things. Cool. It's always fun to be on a studio lot. So that was it was fun. Also, Burn Noticed is almost over. At the time of recording this, we are in the final month of Burn, Noticed. We finished recording in April, so my life was already a lot easier (laughs) starting from, like, the end of April because I no longer had a weekly recording cadence. Like, for this podcast, we do, like, spurts where we record, like, two or three episodes a week for, like, three or four weeks, and then we don't record at all for, like, months And that's a much better schedule that's much more sustainable. Byrne noticed we would record two episodes a week every Sunday for like months at a time. And it was so and also I was exclusively our post production person, I edited every episode, I made all of the promo images, I posted all of the promo images, like I maintained everything for that podcast. It was just so much work for truly no return, other than like, <laughs> I guess, a little bit of validation. So I was very relieved. I was a little bit sad, but mostly relieved that that podcast has been completed. I finished editing it midway through last month and everything is queued up. So at this point, there's like two tweets I have to post because you can't schedule the kind of tweet that I want to do. And after, but after this month, it's going to be completely done. I think next Monday, the penultimate episode of all time uh, of the the show review is going up and then there's like three more weeks of episodes we at the very end of that podcast chris and i broke our own episode like we broke a spec episode we didn't write it but we made like essentially a beat sheet and like outline and like made some decisions high level decisions on details and that was really fun and so who knows what will come about out of that but it was it was certainly a fun way to like culminate the process of watching burn notice for three years is like all right so what would now that we know everything about burn notice like what would we write so it's it's like a very bittersweet, mostly sweet, a little bitter end to a thing that I've literally been doing for three years, which has given me so much time back. It's ridiculous. Like as soon as burn notice ended, I was like, holy shit, I can have a life. I can take <laughs> can days take off. more
0: than more than what <laughs> was it like four days for the year off or something like that. Uh, I
1: was last year I took two days off a month. And sometimes that was it. And that's Mm -hmm. like not in addition to weekends. Bless her heart. Brandy Nicole Payne, when she heard about this, was like, you mean like in addition to weekends, right? And I was (laughs) like, oh, no, Brandy, (laughs) this is including weekends. Uh, But it's been a much easier in 2022 to take three or more days off a month Mm -hmm. because now I don't have like an ongoing one of my weekend days every month has to be burn noticed recording and like i often couldn't schedule other things around that because like it can take us sometimes like four to five hours to record those two episodes Mm -hmm. so boy howdy (laughs) glad it's done
0: (laughs) i think i mean i can't i i don't want to speak for you so you can agree with me or not but i think that we both have maybe achieved more of the balance we were aiming at at the end of last year
1: for sure yeah like when I was thinking back to our burnout episode and like mm -hmm. how exhausted I was when we recorded that and like it's night and day the difference and like we'll see come the fall because the fall is was always my busy time but also that was because Mm -hmm. I was teaching and in the fall is when all of the classes were back so I am curious how the rest of the year is going to go because I feel like it was only really last month that I actually started living this version of this balanced mm-hmm. version of my life before that, like un- through the end of May, it was still pretty hectic, but like, yeah, the difference has been night and day. And so I'm, I feel like I'm now in that transition period that you had earlier in the year of like, mm-hmm. all right, this is the new normal. What are the new routines? How do I build in better habits and like yeah. boundaries and stuff?
0: Yeah. And I think for me, I This is the first year where I don't have anything I'm waiting to hear back on in terms of like submitting to stuff. So Mm. I haven't submitted to any fellowships, any festivals, any writing competitions, nothing. The Silent Night thing and the potential development there is like the only kind of thing I have that I'm pursuing. And even that was like not something I submitted and paid for and I'm waiting for like a decision maker Mm -hmm. to get back to me on. It's, It's more of like... My body of work has led to this and my manager relationship, like built this relationship, and it worked out because someone liked my script. But anyway, the point I was making is that it was my first year going into like not having notifications marked in my calendar for when I was Mm. gonna hear about things and kind of living by that. And I think part of it was very kind of torturous, like the second like the last third of last year I would say not having anything to look forward to because it was the first time I wasn't in either post-production or pre-production and very often I was in both simultaneously while also having something at festivals like I was that was my normal for like nearly a decade and so I think I was kind of in this place of like how do I define myself if not by this like prolific filmmaker always moving always having something going and I think it was it's been really helpful though hard (laughs) but helpful to realize like I'm still a person and I have an identity outside of that even if I don't have a film coming out to tell you about you know like I'm still a filmmaker even if I don't have a film that I'm promoting or uh, a new script that I'm writing and like actively trying to break and that I think has given me a little bit of freedom to, I think it has sort of emotionally prepared me for what I'm going into right now, which is like meetings where I have to strike this balance of humility, but also like confidence in my voice and my vision and Mm -hmm. then sort of staying true to me. And I think if I were still in this like place of I don't want to say desperation is the right word, but like feeling kind of like I need this in order Mm -hmm. to continue defining myself a certain way. I think it would have been harder to manage. And now I'm a little bit more like this can go away and Mm -hmm. I'm still going to be fine and I'm still going to be me and I'm still going to like have things to contribute to the world artistically and otherwise. And also like have value in my life, even if I'm not sort of outwardly showcasing or outwardly pursuing the film industry. um, Sure. And and like having a very current immediate thing to reference as like the thing that currently shows and proves, I guess, like proves that I'm doing the thing, right? So that for me, like I feel like I've achieved that balance. And I also want to say – Like I always constantly feel the need to say, because I think it's important, is that part of me being able to achieve this balance is not having to work a full-time job and like being able to sort of time manage. Like say, okay, this is when I'm working on film and this is when I'm being a human being. And when I had a full-time job, it was like, oh, I'm working because I got to pay bills, I got to make money. And I'm also trying to pursue a film career. So I'm like, when I'm done with that work, I'm doing that. And then I'm really not being a human. Like I'm not Mm -hmm. enjoying a bike ride, you know, down a hill. (laughs) Like that wasn't a thing I was doing before. And so, you know, part of me being able to have that is, is like the sort of financial position that I'm in. So I just want to mention that because I think it's important, but I also think that you can find it, you can find it by like, I think pulling back if you were like me, if you were the kind of person that needed to constantly be going, I think if you can force yourself to slow down and really start thinking about like why mm-hmm. why you're constantly going and where the real intersection is between like what you actually want to put out into the world and what you want in a life, you may find better balance. Um, I don't know if any of that makes sense, but No,
1: it, it definitely does and I I'm definitely in that second camp of like trying to navigate balance while still having the sort of like day-to-day capitalism demands and mm-hmm. so for me it's been like being really realistic about do it, you know a- am I just terrified of losing all of my income and that's why I have eight jobs or do I actually mm-hmm. need all eight jobs to sustain my current lifestyle and hopefully save for the future? And at a certain point It stopped being financially necessary for me to have eight jobs and became Mm -hmm. like actively worse. And in many ways, I was spending more money while I had those eight jobs because I was so exhausted that I was ordering in more and not cooking Mm -hmm. and, you know, buying Ubers to get all over the fucking like uh, city and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And it's just I, I couldn't I couldn't keep up the pace anymore. So, like, yeah, it's still a work in progress, but. I yeah, I, I definitely am, am being a lot more thoughtful this year about what I commit to and what I don't like when that terrible opportunity came through, like, it would have been something that I could absolutely do, like the the more official part time position that they offered me. And like, I would have done it well, it would have been regular work. And like, you know, there was a time where that would have been really comforting to just like have in the back burner. But like, I had finally reached a point where i was like i can't and i can literally but i also can't literally Mm -hmm. because i know what it's like to live that life of having those kinds of commitments on top of my other commitments and i didn't like it and i would rather have slightly less financial and career stability than live at like (laughs) a constant you know, low-grade, high-grade stress level at all times. Yeah, absolutely. So, work in progress. I also think
0: it's, you know, worth noting that we're still living through a pandemic.
1: (laughs) And the loss of our bodily autonomy at a federal level, and the the EPA thing just came down, so like free air, fresh air (laughs) is not a thing that we are guaranteed for much longer, like
0: asterisk, asterisk. Yeah, so it's You know, it's totally fine if you're not making progress this year, if you're not like, because we also just saw a whole bunch of friends who moved to LA or just write for TV in general say that they're going to have to get side hustles because of the recession that's coming and it's hard to get work. And so we all can absolutely be doing some self-reflection on the way we live our lives and trying to find a way to live more of the life we want to be living but we can't ignore the reality of what's happening around us yeah Um, and so you know different things are going to move at different paces for different people based on circumstance and yeah I don't I don't really know the point I was making. I just feel like it's like we have to we have to talk. We can't not talk about right. the fact that 2022 is not like yeah, we've made progress for ourselves individually, but it's not like it's been a year of progress.
1: No, you know? absolutely not. If yeah. anything,
0: it's been like
1: one step forward, five steps back.
0: Right, and it's been people just like pretend we'll just pretend that doesn't exist so that we don't have to address it or talk about it which has been what covid is now. Mm-hmm. But then yeah, then it's just like fucking people in power telling everyone to vote <laughs> to fix things that they have the power
1: that we to voted fix. them in so. to fix.
0: Part of me there's you know the optimism optimist in me that's like our voices matter and stories are like you know it's the stories that we tell that are going to like motivate people and and push for change and spread empathy but then but then there's also just like people don't have the em- like the empathy for you know a bunch of children being gunned down in a school then it's like they're never going to yeah. change I think like there yeah. it's a, there's no storytelling that can be done that can shift people's hearts when they're just like that awful you know so I don't know
1: yeah it's it's a hard time to just like have light conversations about what's going on in the world, which is why I've largely retreated uh, in my media consumption into like very not challenging content.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, me too. That's <laughs> also p- part of why I've just like watched all of the poem renovation DIY mm-hmm. stuff that I can. I don't know. I I want to live in a world where like someone who is a guitarist in a band and... Someone who is a teacher can buy a million dollar house, you know, like which is what on these shows somehow ends up being the case. You know, I want to live in that world Mm -hmm. (laughs) where that's a possibility and not in reality where you've got people like, you know, being evicted in a pandemic and then we've like a new mayor in New York City putting people in prison for sleeping in the subway, you know, it's like. I don't want to live in that world <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. yeah your retreat has been diy shows my retreat has been romance novels
0: totally we should talk about your romance novel
1: yeah so that's been the like weird big thing that's happened in the past couple of months so it the beginning of february literally the first day of february i read three or four romance novels in a single 24-hour period And part of this was coming off the tail end of for five days, Quinn and I, my partner and I uh, fostered a dog that we were hoping to adopt, but it didn't end up working out just because like her needs just were not we were not able to give her what she needed. She needed an additional dog in the house and we weren't able to do that. And so it was this like very emotional couple of days. Then I turned 30 on the last day of January and I was just like in a very weird, like intense mental space and also, you know we live in society like things were going on and I had bookmarked this series of Instagram stories that thankfully she ended up highlighting by this filmmaker that I'm a big fan of named Yulin Kuang. And she had posted a series of stories about like romance novels she was reading recently, because she had she herself had gotten into them. And a couple of them sounded interesting. I knew she and I have similar taste, And so I was like, why not? A lot of these books are pretty cheap on ebooks. So I bought a couple of them and got just like Really invested really quickly. It, for whatever reason, it just like clicked. Also, Quinn had bought me a book for Christmas that was, it turned out to be a romance novel and uh, that kickstarted an additional sort of thing. And so, since the first day of February, I have read 161 romance novels for the first time, which is a lot of books. <laughs> I'm averaging mm-hmm. on a week, on like a work day, about one a day. And then on the weekends, sometimes two to three a day. Like, I am devouring romance novels. And I've also reread 16 of these books because sometimes once I got a, a library card, um, I I can put up to fifteen books on hold, but sometimes there's no new books for me to read. And so while I wait, because I'm in this like weird hyperfixation mentality, I like, well, I have to keep reading romance novels. Um and now that I'm writing them, I've started to reread some that I think are good comps for the kinds of things that I want to write, as like research which is what I'm saying. But mostly it's just I wanted to read them again because some of these books are very good. But yeah, so then in April, NaNoWriMo National Novel Writing Month has two offshoot events because like National Novel Writing Month is traditionally in November for the month of November, you try to hit fifty thousand words in a brand new novel draft. and it's like this big event, and I have participated multiple times in the past. I've won it twice, so i've I've hit fifty thousand words in a month, twice, but those both times were a decade ago for when I was still like actively writing prose. I haven't written prose in a decade. And now they have two offshoot events in April and July, which are called Camp Nanorimo which are a little bit more loosely defined, like you can kind of define your own goal. I have stuck with the traditional trying to hit 50k in a month. Uh, So in April of this year, I wrote every single day, I hit, I think, 78,000 words that first month, and then finished an additional 30k words in May. And so I wrote a romance novel myself in, in a month and a half. And now it's July. And I have a second one that I'm working on, I hit 10 K words yesterday, because I started a couple of days early, because who cares, it's up to me. (laughs) And so now I'm writing a second one, because I guess this is the thing that I do now. And I I have no expectations for this at all, because it's such a weird thing for me to be doing, because I'm not a prose writer anymore. And I have never written romance. I've written, like, romance plot lines, but, like, I've never written what you could could traditionally refer to as a romance story before. So it's just been all very strange and weird, but I'm enjoying it. I'm having a good time, and it's all I wanted to write. So, like, you know, who am I to police the muse?
0: Yeah, lean into it. I think, you know, we should all be leaning into what is bringing us joy and what mm-hmm. is inspiring us I for one I'm finding it very hard to find inspiration <laughs> so I think if you've got it you should be rolling with it
1: yeah and after the first like couple of years of the pandemic being like so bereft of creativity for me I'm just like grateful that I want to be working so I'm just like mm-hmm. I'm working through it I'm we'll see yeah and then if anyone else wants to get into romance novels I figured I'd, I'd drop a couple of recommendations just in this... Yeah. This podcast. So, if you are looking for new romance novels to read, here are a handful I recommend uh, Beach Read by Emily Henry. I'll post these on Twitter as well. The Heart Principle by Helen Hoang. Something Wilder by Christina Lauren. The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood. The Hating Game by Sally Thorne, which is a movie now that you can watch on uh, Hulu. I don't like the movie, but the book I've now read twice and it makes me feel like my like whole body is on fire in like, a really good way. I can't explain it in any other way, you should read it. Hmm. I, 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 really enjoy it. It's like it's like it's like a f- like feral protagonist. Like it's she has such a specific way of writing. And I was I will also say the second time I read this book, I was listening to a Spotify mix of. A music producer called Breakmaster Cylinder, which is kind of like Mm. abstract electronica music, at which, like, only enhanced this, like, kind of unhinged nature of this reread. So, that would be how I recommend consuming the Hated Game is listening to Breakmaster Cylinder.
0: Fun fact about the movie, even though you didn't enjoy it, (laughs) um, it was shot in the Hudson Valley Hmm. outside of. Outside of the scenes in the city outside, but like anything indoors. And especially I think when they go up to the wedding,
1: oh. uh, that was
0: intended to be the Hudson Valley, which I've learned because I've recently formed a like beginning stages of a relationship with the Hudson Valley Film Commission.
1: Very cool. Yeah. I mean, parts of it were fine, but like I really disagree with the way that they changed like the climax and ending of the book. Because like obviously in a romance, there is like you have very specific things that you're going towards like there is isn't a guaranteed happy ending which i is something of a comfort in these trying Mm -hmm. times but i don't Mm -hmm. like the way that they changed it but the book the actual book i really really enjoy that's by sally thorne
0: i just wanted to say i did not read the book but i watched the movie and when you were tweeting about how annoyed you were with the alterations to the ending i knew that was the movie you were talking about (laughs) yeah because i didn't name it i don't don't want (laughs) to shit talk
1: on twitter but like in my podcast
0: same (laughs) I had the same feelings about the ending without knowing it was changed from the book, but mm-hmm. I just was like, oh yeah, that that's my feeling. So I think that's what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. But I did enjoy, I guess I enjoyed most of the movie because I, my favorite trope, in in like rom coms is the enemies to lovers. Enemies to
1: lovers is so good. Well, we will probably discuss that at a uh, yes. in a future <laughs> episode, which we'll get to in a little bit. But just to round this out, other recommendations. My three other recommendations are Battle Royale by Lucy Parker, Get a Life Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert, and Beginner's Luck by Kate claiborne which is the beginning of a trilogy. As is the Get a Life Chloe Brown book. Um, both of those are the starts of trilogies, and they're very fun. But yeah, so that's just like a thing I've been doing. It's been weirdly cathartic. The first novel that I wrote is set on an indie film set. So obviously I'm not fully moving away from my roots. And then the second book, I'm trying to center it around the organization of a film festival to at least a certain extent. So like my roots are very much there. I have stuff to write in a personal statement. So all's all's consistent enough. Also, I was writing mysteries <laughs> as a screenwriter. Romance is just girly procedurals you know what I mean like my grandma got really (laughs) weird because my grandma had heard that I was reading a lot of and then writing my own romance novel back in May because I saw her over Mother's Day weekend and she was like weirdly offended. She was like, but you're so smart. And I'm like, well, that's a offensive thing to say. She's like, well, I don't understand why you're reading romance novels. Like they're so silly a... and weird. And it's like, she has bad opinions. And that's fine. She's old very old.
0: Internalized misogyny. <laughs> there.
1: Oh, there's a lot to unpack there, uh, which we do not have time to get into. But something that was funny, I was like, Grandma, do you, you like CSI, right? She's like, oh, I love CSI. I watch all of them. And I watch all of the NCISs. And I was like, it's the same thing. <laughs> That's romance Mm. novels. You're just watching like the mask version of Mm -hmm. (laughs) like the boy version of that. It's all about structure. And so that that helped me kind of like get my head right when I was starting to feel a little weird about writing a romance novel because like it does seem very off the path for me, but it's not. It's just another kind Mm. of structure. I, I really love the romance novel structure. I think it's fun and I have been enjoying it. So uh, this is the, your your moment of reminder that if you sign up for our Patreon at, at the $3 a month plus level, and this offer stands forever, in perpetuity, whenever you hear this, if you sign up and DM us, I will send you two sentences out of context from my romance novel, and you just need to tell me if you want it to be dirty or clean, because there are... <laughs> options for both friends. So, uh that that's enough about us. Let's quickly move on to the next two final sections of this episode, which is a slight change that you may be noticing in the future and what the rest of the season looks like. Yeah. So the slight change is advertisements. We are considering integrating advertising and sponsorships into our podcast because, uh, you know, as any respectable artist, we understand that diversifying your income is important. And also we were contacted by a screenwriting platform that might be interested in paying for some advertisements. So uh, we always anticipated, I think going in this direction eventually, ideally. So you may be hearing one or two advertisements coming up in future episodes. Uh, we don't have a specific one in mind yet. It kind of just depends on a couple of things. But if you are a like film festival who wants to promote submissions, if you are a filmmaker who wants to promote a premiere or maybe even a crowdfunding campaign, if you are at, like at a a screenwriting platform, an editing platform, like a, a you create tools for filmmakers. We are available for advertising. We have a one sheet that we will send you with pricing structures, but we are always happy to discuss any particulars that you want. So if you are interested in advertising on Breaking Out of Breaking In, let us know. We would love to have that conversation with you. You can either DM us or preferably email us pod at gmail.com.
0: Yeah, and just for the listeners, we are being selective about what we agree to we don't want to sure. be you know advertising scam platforms to you so we'll, we'll be doing our due diligence mm-hmm.
1: yeah we will we will always check them out yeah definitely yeah. but yeah if you if you have questions about this or are potentially interested in advertising on our podcast please let us know we would love to hear from you uh, okay, so the rest of season two of Breaking Out of Breaking In, in two weeks, we start our new mini series. It's going to be our craft mini series where we're going to let artists from uh, less discussed disciplines nerd out about said disciplines so we have episodes on interactive storytelling production design voiceover acting proofs of concepts and adaptations Uh, if there is another lesser focused on craft element you'd love to hear us talk about please let us know dm us tweet at us instagram at us you know, how you Instagram it, people, let us know. We, we love having craft conversations. Those are some of my favorite conversations to have on this podcast, whether it's with Christina alone or with a guest. So if you have recommendations, please let us know. Also, if you have questions about any of these elements of craft also, let us know. We would love to hear from you so that we can incorporate those questions into the ongoing conversations. Then uh, we will have a conversation that's just us after the craft mini series wraps up, where Christina and I share some of our favorite tropes. So, we gave you a preview. We both love enemies mm-hmm. to lovers. It's just it's just the best. It's the best one. It was the first one I wrote down when I started making notes for this episode. But yeah, we'll we'll talk about some of our favorite tropes in a variety of stories. I'm sure horror and romance will get brought up a lot, and some mm-hmm. recommendations for each of those tropes. So just kind of having the conversation about tropes. Then we will start our final mini series of the year, which we are calling our Representation Matters mini series we are talking to the um, Disabled Writers Committee of the WGA. We actually already recorded that episode and it was so much fun. That episode will also be transcribed. So our um, hard of hearing friends will be able to read along with that episode. Then we will be doing an episode with Sav Rogers of the Trans Film Center. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we will also have an episode with someone from the Think Tank for Inclusion and Equity, which is like a nonprofit that does a lot of research on representation in front of and behind the camera in specifically television and a little bit film, I think. Uh, But I don't know. We'll have to talk to them about that. So like, they they publish reports that are really great on elements of representation. And we are going to hopefully have somebody from that organization on to talk about the work that they do and why it's important and things like that. Then we will round out the year with yet another career and life update episode. And like end of year podcast updates. Hopefully some cool new things will have happened by then. Who knows? Yeah. And then as always, we'll have probably take a break in December and exclusively post Patreon bonus episodes. Last year, we had, I think, three mm-hmm. Patreon bonus episodes. This year, we have two planned. But if you have recommendations and you're, you're subscribed to our Patreon, please let us know what you would be looking for. But we'll definitely do another screenwriting Twitter drama year in review, though it has been quiet recently. Blessedly, and also a little bit disappointingly, <laughs> and then we'll also do another what we watched and uh, consumed and loved in 2022. So just a high level recommendations podcast of uh, of media we loved this year. So that's yeah. that's the rest of 2022, folks. We're halfway through. It's crazy. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it is. And we'll also see where the world's at by then. You
1: know? Yeah, who knows? Maybe Christina and I will have like gone underground. <laughs>
0: Totally. We'll just have completely lost our right to exist. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, maybe I'll have moved ground. in with Christina and, and her husband at her house, and we'll we'll have, have a resistance camp there. Who knows? <laughs> Check back in in six months, I guess. Yes. So if you saw this promo image on Instagram, I'll post it on Twitter, too, just to be fun. uh, Our screenshot of Christina and I in Zoom, uh, Christina has this beautiful Mm -hmm. photo of her new deck, (laughs) and then I have a compilation photo of two Photoshop jobs I did back in the early 2000s of me and a celebrity boy, and um, how that is relevant to this podcast episode. I guess you'll have to sign up on Patreon to find out. So next Mm -hmm. week, next Thursday, Patreon bonus content is going to be posted including the story behind this uh, Uncanny Valley kind of parasocial freaky image that's behind me right now (laughs) so strap in for that
0: thanks so much to Kelsey Rauber for our theme music Kaylee Brown for our podcast art Ezra Lee for editing this episode and to all of you for listening links to learn more about them are in our episode description
1: and thank you to our booby VIPs who are our $10 supporters on Patreon that's Kim Garland, Amanda Blunt Anthony Epp, Kelsey rauber Norman Steinberg, and Brandy Nicole Payne. If you want your name on that list and or you want to have access to all of our bonus resources related to each and every podcast episode we post for free, you can subscribe for as little as three dollars to our patreon at patreon.com/breakingoutpod. Or
0: join our free newsletter where we share a new creative prompt each month. Next episode we'll be discussing interactive storytelling with special guest Jenny Powell. Be sure to tune in.